The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Uh-huh. Well, what do you got for me? Anything? Something? <laughs> you mean Canada? Yeah. We can't talk here. Let's go for a walk. Oh, okay. Their entire government is run by socialists. Yeah, but it's not the real pinko stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. That's where you're wrong. They've always had these tendencies. Capitalism must be destroyed in all forms. What the hell is this? You see what I mean? We haven't been paying any attention. We think that, oh, they're a little strange with the socialized medicine stuff, but do you know that they provide free college to anyone? Free trains, free eyeglasses, free condoms. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, July 25th, 2019. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Robert and I aren't actually physically together in the same studio today, although it was a joint effort to present this very special edition of Just Right For You. Two guests join us today, the first being a regular and frequent contributor to our show over the many years we've been broadcasting, and that is, of course, Dr. Salim Mansour, Professor Emeritus of Political Science at Western University. Today, however... He joins us as the star candidate of the newly formed People's Party of Canada, the PPC, which will be fielding a full slate of candidates from coast to coast in the upcoming October 21st federal Canadian election. And we are also honored and pleased to be joined by the founder and leader of that party, none other than Maxime Bernier, who narrowly missed being elected as leader of Canada's Conservative Party in that party's last leadership election. All that and more, right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, our archive broadcasts, and of course, where we encourage you to offer your financial support and in so doing, become part of our effort to enlighten others about the true nature of freedom and capitalism. Our first two program segments today will feature Robert in conversation with Salim from an interview already viewed by thousands on YouTube and which was released last Friday at noon. PPC leader Maxime Bernier will join us in the third segment of the show, after which Robert and Salim will continue their conversation in the final quarter. The conversations, as they will be heard on today's broadcast, have been edited down to their essential points from Just Right's own YouTube productions, which you can view unedited on Just Right's YouTube channel. So now, without any further delay, here are Just Right regulars Robert Vaughn and Salim Mansour. Salim, this is a great day for you, uh, because you've just announced your candidacy for the People's Party of Canada under Maxime Bernier. And of course, this comes on the heels a few weeks before of your disallowance by the Conservative Party of Canada as a candidate in your riding of London North Centre. But um, I think for our listeners, a little history is in order to, to paint a picture and to sort of put into context why somebody like yourself, who was a 
a, a true blue conservative for many, many years, all of a sudden would want to um, go over to the, the brand new People's Party. So contextually, it's been my observation that since at least the 1950s with um, Conservative Prime Minister R.B. Bennett, who said, I am, for, I am for reform, and reform means the end of laissez-faire. In other words, a moving away from their conservative free market roots to a more progressive, a more reform-minded conservative party. And since then, of course, we've seen the breakup of the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, with Brian Mulroney, of course, you had six members leave his party to form the Bloc Québécois, which would eventually replace them as the uh, opposition. And then you had the um, Reform Party form out in the, in the West because they were disillusioned with the Laurentian elite and the way that they were running the country, uh, Mulroney being one of those elite. And then you saw the reform eventually become the Canadian Alliance. And of course, you ran for the Canadian Alliance. I ran for the Canadian Alliance in 2000. And you and I have both been very much supportive of a sort of conservative, small c conservative movement in Canada, trying to capture that sense that maybe Sir John A. Macdonald had when he formed the country, exactly. the first prime minister, conservative. But we see that the Conservative Party has always been fractured, always had factions vying for control. We, we see now Maxime Bernier create the People's Party because, once again, the Conservative Party has become the Laurentian elite telling people what to do and not listening to their grassroots, not listening to what the people want, but what the Laurentian elite want. So let's first of all, with that context, out of the way, you had a video on our channel where you said that the Conservative Party was the only party to save Canada. What changed your mind? What is the process that changed your mind from that? What has changed since we made that video about six weeks ago or something like that, two months, is my reading of the situation objectively. But I want to put my situation separate from the objective analysis. What changed was my reading of the numbers, the Canadian polling data that is aggregated in 338canada.com. The aggregate numbers for June showed that the Conservative Party was not growing. It was stuck in the needle at 35. 35 percent support nationally is in the range of a minority government if the Conservative can form a minority government. And the numbers would give Conservative Party somewhere in the range of 160 seats in the Parliament. And that would be the most optimistic number. And that falls short of a majority government. For a majority government, we need 170 seats. And this is June. This is before the riches drop. This is before the, the real campaign begins, when the heavy uh, cannons are brought in by the Liberal Party and its third-party supporters, you know, uh, with their uh, ads and their TVs, and, 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 and they have bought the, uh, the media. Uh, Justin Trudeau bought the media with $600 million only a few months ago. So we haven't yet gotten, gotten into that field of action where the battle begins after the writ is dropped and we haven't seen the Conservative Party make any gain despite the fact 
Robert, that the year began. This is June number I'm stating. Despite the fact that the year began with the worst scandal in Canadian political history, SNC-Lavalin. That followed by the scandal of the Mark Norman case. Add to that all the other scandals. I mean, the, the manner in which uh, Justin Trudeau as Prime Minister has gone about mimicking Indians in a costume change, Bhangra dance, going to India with, uh, in his entourage, a convicted would-be assassin from the sea. The whole situation with China, we have, ha we have the Chinese government now holding Canadians as prisoners on death row. Then we have the, the Chinese coming down with their own embargoes, our farmers with the canola. And now the latest one is with our beef producers and pork producers. So where is his foreign policy? Where is his domestic policy? He had the whole West enraged, that is Justin Trudeau, no pipeline, environmentalism that has gone completely crazy with this whole notion that we are now in a critical emergency, the world is coming to an end, and yet the Conservative Party's needle is stuck at 12. So it tells me that this particular party at this particular time in history has failed to capture the imagination of the people of Canada who desperately want a change, who desperately want to see Trudeau go and the Liberal Party be defeated. But the numbers are showing that there is reluctance for the people to move in the direction of the Conservative Party, that they should have moved. So I come down to the view that we are possibly running into the 2008 scenario. If you recall the 2008 scenario, in 2006, the Conservative Party under Stephen Harper won a minority government. Paul Martin could not win his minority, a majority, and he lost. He called the election in 2006. He lost it. That was a minority government Stephen Harper formed. Two years later, again an election, and Stephen Harper could not get a majority. It was a minority government. And when the parliament convened after the 2008 election, immediately the liberal leader at that time, Stephen Dion, and the NDP leader, Jack Layton, along with the Bloc Quebecois leader, Gilles Duceppe, signed a pact and was to present that pact that they have agreed to form a coalition government. It would be a coalition government led by the liberal of the left. And Stephen Harper prorogued the parliament. There was a hue and cry about it that when he prorogued the parliament. But when the hue and cry settled down, what people realized that this is totally unacceptable, a coalition government in Canada in which the partner is Bloc Quebecois sworn to dismantle Canada. And that saved Stephen Harper and his minority government. Stephen Dion resigned and left. He was replaced by Michael Ignatieff. Jack Layton was there. He would go on to win a substantive number of, uh, uh, of players in Quebec as a result of what happened. Block would dis uh, dwindle down. But then Jack Layton died, and in 2011, uh, 
uh, Stephen Harper won a majority government. So if you are in that 2008 scenario, which I think we are in, given the fact that Mr. Scheer and his team hasn't moved the needle, and there doesn't seem to be any sign that he's going to move the needle. There is no surge in enthusiasm and support for his leadership, as we can see. Then conservative party in a minority territory will not be able to form a government in this existing situation. Uh, liberals will do the same thing what they did in 2008, but instead of the Bloc Quebecois as the third party, they will have the Green. And so a coalition government of the left led by the Liberal Party and the NDP and the Green will then come to become, in a sense, the norm. People will get used to it. It will be normalized. And possibly, that will, this will be the last election, the 2019 election, in which the Conservative Party will have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory or whatever the saying is, you know. And it will become history because this is what happens when so, parties... So we are in that very dangerous situation for the people who, like you and I, strongly believe in limited government, strongly believe in freedom of speech, strongly believe in a federation that works for the benefit of Canada, balanced budget, more power to the parliament, you know, more power to the parliament in the sense the parliamentarians as a representative of the people should be in a position to openly discuss all the major issues, bring it to the table, and then, you know, legislate. I think all of that will be lost we will become, as I say, the laboratory of the globalist agenda. So what you're saying to recap is that given the fact that Justin Trudeau is arguably the worst prime minister this country has ever seen, and the Liberal Party of Canada under Justin Trudeau, the worst governing party this country probably has ever seen, Andrew Scheer and the Conservative Party, given that, can't break 35% in the polls. So that's pretty damning. Now that's the one argument, is that you've crunched the numbers, you saw that the CPC can't do it. Good morning, folks. Mark Friesen, candidate for the PPC Saskatoon Grasswood. What a day. I am like a kid on Christmas. Uh, you know that feeling when you buy a gift for somebody that's really super cool and it's gonna be a surprise um, and the feeling when you watch them open that gift and uh, you're more actually probably more excited than the person that's opening it just because you know how much they'll appreciate it well that's been me for the last week and a half maybe two weeks since I discovered that Salim was uh, going to announce his candidacy well so today is Christmas for me. Uh, Salim Mansour just announced that he is the candidate for London North Central for the PPC. This is enormous. Now, I'm not excited primarily because it's good for the party. I'm excited because it's extremely good for our country. It just so happens that there's a party that embraces Salim Mansour and people like him that aren't afraid to talk about the truth, that aren't afraid to talk about reality, aren't afraid to talk about globalism and Islamism and how those two enormous issues are, is, are affecting and will affect our country negatively. Um, 
and and it already has affected our country negatively. Um, it's it's just it's very exciting that we have Salim Mansour on board to be a voice to use the platform that he's given finally to help educate and inform Canadians about the issues of globalism and Islamism and how that's tied to immigration and how it's the UN and the globalism is is part of this you know encompasses all of these issues it's extremely important that a that an individual like Salim Mansour who is a, a university professor who does have experience who has researched this who has written books on the issue it's it's just incredibly important that we have that type of individual in our party and using the platform that he's going to be given to open the discussion about this Andrew Scheer keeps talking about his positive conservative vision, but nobody knows what that vision is. Andrew Scheer's positive conservative vision is an altruism. It's an empty platitude. It doesn't mean anything because nobody knows what that vision contains. There's no policy. There's no platform. There's no strong position. It's as many words as they can string together to sound like they're saying something without actually saying anything, which is exactly what the Liberal Party of Canada does. They wrote the book on this method of politics. Do you want politics as usual? Do you want to beat Trudeau and replace him with more of the same? Or do you want something that's different? different and clearly articulated. The whole strategy of the party is to play identity politics, pander to various interest groups, and buy votes with promises, just like the Liberals. In Andrew Scheer's statement earlier this week, where he condemned Max Bernier, or it might have been last week, where he condemned Max Bernier for his statements on multiculturalism, he said that he condemns identity politics. Except Andrew Scheer plays identity politics every single time he opens his mouth. And I encourage people... Stop thinking along the lines of pragmatism just for once in your life. The pragmatics are absolutely solid. The problem is the pragmatic solution, which is to band together and join behind Andrew Scheer, leads to a victory that doesn't mean anything. We're not going to get the kind of change this country needs to save itself. We're not going to get the life preserver that we have to achieve in the next few years in order to keep and maintain what it is that makes Canada special and great. It's been on a thread for decades, one could argue, and we need to get this done. We need to have principles. We need to have values. And those in the party who espouse private support for Bernier, it's time. Cut your cards up and get ready to get on the bandwagon because we're moving forward. This train is rolling to Ottawa. We're going to create something different. We're going to create something conservative. And that's the end of the story. That was Frank Vaughn from his own YouTube production of August 23, 2018, as heard shortly after Maxime Bernier's announcement of the new PPC party, although no one knew its name back then. Last Friday, Frank became a PPC candidate, and Robert and I met with him and recorded an interview that you'll be able to see and hear on Just Right's various online platforms as they are released. Now, back to Robert and Salim, as Salim discusses the second reason concerning his decision to run for the People's Party of Canada. What was your second reason for changing uh, from CPC to PPC? Well, um... This is the personal one. That's right. Um, on, on, well, look at it. I mean, there's two, two elements involved, at minimum. There's a personal element that you're talking about. 
and, and let me quickly deal with that. You know, I, I, I made that publicly known in the final statement that I released a few weeks ago, a couple, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And people can find that Which on is on website. my website, in in which I pointed out, you know, that for 10 months, uh, the party had my papers. They'd gone through the papers. I mean, I had uh, submitted my nomination papers way back, uh, way back in August, September, and submitted it officially in October. It, it is a long process. One has to get, you have gone through the process that I have gone through, uh, which I, every single individual seeking nomination in a federal party uh, has to go through, which is to get the security clearance the police record, the RCMP record, the tax record, CRA record, uh, the record from the court that there is no case pending against me or against the individual, uh, and so on and so forth, that all my records had to be checked and wetted. And all of that was done, and I submitted my paper in October, and the party acknowledged it. I submitted my uh, nomination deposit, $1,000, that was acknowledged. Everything was acknowledged, and then the regional organizer of the party in London gave me the clearance to begin my campaign, and I set up my website. So from October, November till June, June the 10th, when I received the notice from the party disallowing my candidacy, which was basically one sentence, the, the National Council for the selection of can, uh, candidates, uh, the party organization that is responsible, uh, has disallowed my candidacy, candidacy and that I have the right to appeal. And it was signed by the executive director of the party. Uh, so, so roughly, uh, if you take it into account, 10 months I had gone through the EDA selection. I've been interviewed. Uh, they had they had basically written the report, submitted the report to the party. I think it was a favorable report. And during this entire period, the party did not communicate with me by letter or by email, that is through paper and on writing, anything about why eventually they disallowed me and gave although, no reason. Although you know why they disallowed you because of personal communications with the leadership of the Conservative Party, correct? That's, that's, that's correct. Verbally, I was informed. Verbally, I was told that my candidacy is unacceptable. They told you to walk away. I think to walk away, yes. yeah. But I stayed till they had to disallow me officially because they were saying to me that I have to walk away so that they wouldn't have to explain anything to me. It would be all over. But I stayed. I, I, I told them that, look, I have submitted my paper. That's your decision whether you're going to allow me or disallow me. But I've submitted my paper, and I am in the contest. I want a fair contest. Uh, I've been a member of the party for over 30 years, 35 years since I voted in 1984 for the Mulroney government, uh, Mulroney party. Uh, and and I have a long history in this, and you recounted some of that. You know that I was a member of the, I joined the reform movement, and I was a candidate in, for the Canadian Alliance in London West, and so on. I was deeply involved in Unite the Right movement that brought about the merger of the Canadian Alliance with the Progressive Conservative under Peter McKay. I went to the convention 
in which Peter McKay was elected and then subsequent convention I went to where Stephen Harper was elected and, and then the merger took place and we worked on that. So I have a long history on this thing uh, in the party. So I said, you know, it, it is the right of the members of London North Centre to decide on, my, on me. You know, uh, call the contest. If the people of London North Centre vote me down, I accept the result. And if they uh, um, want me to be the nominee in the election, you accept the result. That's the democratic process. That's the party that I know and I fought for. That is a party that is responsive to the grassroots and not to the dictates of the leadership or a cabal that nobody knows that's operating from behind a curtain. But the end result is they disallowed me. So that's the personal side of it, of it that I could walk away. Before you yeah. walk away from this discussion, <laughs> no, no. what was the reason they gave you in confidence, or it wasn't in confidence, in private? Well, in, in, those, in those communication, which was verbal communication, the, the scenario that they, they constructed uh, and from that, the reason that, that was uh, implied is that the sum total of my writing and my public speaking is Islamophobic. And that I, being Islamophobic as a result of my writing and my public speaking, cannot be allowed to be in the party or seen to be in the party running for uh, a seat and that I would, my position in a sense would disrupt the party's national campaign, would stain the party's, le uh, party's leader and they, 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 they are not going to talk about me and they are not willing to talk about me and defend me from being Islamophobic. Now the situation is so absurd, I mean it is a truly a head contorting observation, right, that I am Islamophobic. You know, I spent my life as a Muslim, a Canadian Muslim, and that's another conversation that perhaps we will have. But, but just think about it, Robert. My writing, both in the, as a public intellectual and as an academic, are all on record. And uh, since 9-11, my focus has been to explain to the people about the problem in the Muslim world. Why this has come about? Why has 9-11 come about? Why is what we're going through, this global jihadism? How has this religion, my faith tradition, Islam, been taken over, hijacked by a movement which has its own history, in it, like a communist movement, like a fascist Nazi movement, is a movement, the Muslim Brotherhood, that seized the religion and twisted it into an ideology. And that ideology has been an operation that has led to the catastrophes that we are witnessing. Okay. I've written to explain as an academic, as a historian, and I have written in the public and spoken out in the public to warn Canadians, to warn North Americans, that unless you take a clear, transparent, objective, and a robust stand against this movement, this totalitarian movement, we're going to lose this country. 
Now, you had a meeting with Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party of Canada, a couple of weeks ago. Well, uh, what did he say to you about that particular issue of speaking your mind about um, Islam, Islamism, and the, uh, the threat that Canada faces? Uh, to be fair, we, have, we haven't spoken about these things, but his people, yes. And that is a matter that we, we will need to discuss. I've just met him, you know. Uh, we, he has announced my candidacy. And we will be engaged in talking about this. But what he has said to me very clearly, Salim, my campaign is about defense of freedom of speech. And you are free to express yourself. You don't have to look over your shoulder on the issues that you are concerned about, that we are concerned about. So it is implied that, you know, and, and, and look, uh, Robert, uh, Maxime is from Quebec. What has happened in Quebec recently, which is of such great significance, and yet none of the Federalist Party leader has come out and s spoken in defense of it. In fact, they have tried to uh, push Quebec aside. I'm referring to Bill 21 that has been enacted in Quebec, that is the bill on Quebec as a secular society, laicite. Now this is such an important bill, I mean this has been bubbling under the surface in Quebec, people have been agitating and finally Coalition Avena Quebec, CAQ and, and it's the Premier, Francois Legault, took the matter in hand and put it into the parliament that is the National Assembly in Quebec and voted on Bill 21 that Quebec is a lay city, is a secular society and that, you know, all of these symbols and significance of hijab, niqab and others will not be acceptable within the public for delivery service. of services. Right, yes, for public right. services. So if, yes. you're, if, you're, if you're working with, with, in, in any capacity which is in public service, okay. So there's a clear line being drawn about that. So Maxime understands this. Maxime understands the situation both within Canada and globally of the pressures we are under in dealing with uh, Islamism, which is what I call, or militant Muslim, a radical Muslim. But Islamism is, I think, a very precise term because it suggests that it is not Islam, it is an ideology that is derived from Islam, may have some characteristic of Islam, but it is an ideology and it is a totalitarian ideology. And if we have time, we can discuss this. So that's the personal side of it, you know, that I was disallowed on the basis of this fear, you might say, that in a sense, ironically, by calling me Islamophobic or, or at least inferring that my writing and my public speaking will be portrayed as Islamophobic by the liberal and that the conservative leadership doesn't want to have anything to do with it, goes on to prove the fact that the conservative leadership is fearful what it should not be fearful about, that is to talk about the issues that we in Canada are faced with. They have an Islamophobia phobia. So they have an Islamophobia phobia. <laughs> yeah. oh. <laughs> I just love that. An Islamophobia phobia. Now, coming up next, PPC leader Maxime Bernier, as he was heard on a May 29 
CJBK AM 1290 radio broadcast here in London from an excerpt taken from that day's Evan Solomon show. And this offers just a taste of how the tone of the campaign might be approached by the mainstream news media during the upcoming election. Because we have a position on immigration for fewer immigrants, that uh, you imply that that we are racist, and you imply maybe that 49% of Canadians are racist because they want fewer immigrants. Actually, I didn't. I didn't apply that. I didn't imply that. I wanted you to explain what you're meaning by that, like how you would choose I did fewer that. immigrants. We had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and I answered that question. So I don't have to repeat always myself on that. It will be the same thing. We have a point system in Canada that will be the point system. The most important that you must remember, it's where the only party wants fewer immigrants, and, and it's, it's a strong proposal. We're not that, that like the conservative of the liberal. They're the same on immigration, but they're the same also on CBC. Uh, Scheer said that he wants to when he had a, when the journalist asked him a question about the CBC and the funding, he didn't answer the question about uh, cutting the CBC. Uh, Sheer and, and and Trudeau are the same on the balancing the budget. He said that he want he want to balance the budget in two years. Now it's, it is in two terms. So they're all about the same. If people want a real change, we represent the real change and based on principle. So we're doing politics differently, and uh, that's why I'm so proud that we are able to have three hundred. And, and I think that's great, the but, but we're try- your candidates will represent you. Look, the media has written about people like Ken Pereira. He was a union leader. Remember, the Quebecers would know him from the Charbonneau Commission. Yeah, so that's, that's I understand great. that, that's but you, you know that, that what he's trafficked in conspiracy theories about no, 9-11. That's, that's fake news, Evan. That, I'm very disappointed of you. It's fake news. He did a video of 35 minutes and speaking about all these conspiracy theory with another person, and he does not share that, and he said that. I'm so watching it, the, it, I have the... I have the... the, the I have the complot ink of with him talking about false flags in 9/11. Okay, so so yeah, he, but he was doing that. That was the theme of the uh, of the video, speaking about about the uh, conspiracy theory, and he, he, they were laughing at conspiracy theory. Uh, so that's why I'm very disappointed. Even it's all fake news, and repeat CBC fake news about him. I'm very proud to have him in my team. He's a whistleblower because of him. The Charbonneau Commission against the corruption in the construction sector was successful, and that I'm very, very happy that he decided okay, to run. Okay, so you stand by him. Hey, oh, wh- for wh- sure. Oh, the other, the other issue that came up a lot this week with Andrew Shear and with Justin Trudeau is, of course, the, the abortion debate. And, and, there's, and you know, Andrew Shear said, I will not do that. This, this is not an issue that I'm even interested in. Uh, how about you, Maxine Bourget? Is that an issue that we ought to debate again? But if um, if a member of parliament wants to table a bill on that, why not? It's a democratic right of a member of parliament, as you know, to table a private bill on any subject. The position of the People's Party of Canada, uh, we won't have any position on, on the abortion. It's a question that is too important. Uh, it's a question of conscience and morality. So we won't impose any, view, uh, any, any proposal on that. We won't present any proposal to the Canadian population on that. But I'm telling you, uh, if a member of parliament, uh, that's very 
very different than in Russia and the Liberals. If a member of parliament wants to debole a bill on abortion, uh, it would be, he, he, will ha- he will be able to do that. And I think it's, uh, doing that is respecting the democratic right of that member of parliament and will have a free vote on that subject. So uh, there's no taboo subject for us. And the best place to debate that, it's in the House. But for us, we won't have, as a political party, a position on that. But I will allow uh, MPs from the People's Party of Canada to table any kind of bill that's their right. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And now here's Robert Vaughn in conversation with Maxime Bernier and Salim Mansour at last week's PPC Media event in London. So Mr. Bernier, pleasure to meet you. Your star candidate in southwestern Ontario, Salim Mansour. Could you tell me what your reaction was when you heard that uh, the Conservative Party of Canada would refuse to have Salim Mansour, a man of his distinction and history, run for them in London North Centre? First of all, I was like Salim, I was very surprised about that. Uh, You know, they're supposed to fight for Canadian values, and that's what Salim is doing since uh, the beginning, uh, since a long time. So, and he's very well known for that, uh, to fight for freedom, free speech. And uh, and the Conservatives did that here, but also I've been told that in other writings uh, all across the country that they, they don't want to have a discussion about immigration, and that's too bad because uh, the population are ready uh, for a, a discussion on immigration. When you look at the poll, uh, 49% of the Canadians are saying that they want fewer immigrants, and only 6% of them are saying that they want more. So that's important, and that's part of our platform. Uh, and and when they're uh, about that decision, uh, at the end, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, Salim is with us. That's <laughs> the good news for us. <laughs> Salim, uh, do you want to elaborate on the way that you were treated by the Conservatives versus the way you're being treated by the People's Party? Well, as, as Maxime just explained it, you know, that's the backstory. But uh, my relationship with Maxime goes back many, many years. We've been together on stage, you know, yeah. uh, Maxime has been... Uh, the vice president, the president of the Economic Institute in Montreal. He's a member of Civitas. I'm a yeah. member of Civitas. <laughs> we have been together in Quebec City. He has my book. <laughs> yeah, in French, <laughs> on, on, in, both in French and English. So uh, when uh, Maxime called me, it was just only a matter of time that we got together, and uh, I had to make other arrangements, look at my options. But going with Maxime was just a matter of getting my deck together, you know, my cards together, and uh, I'm very happy to be uh, with him. To you, Mr. Bernier, Justin Trudeau has said that Canada has no core identity, it's the first post-national state. What is it about Canada, to refute that, what is it about Canada and its identity that sets it apart from the other nations in, in the global community? First of all, that's not true. Uh, Canada has a core identity, and we are proud about it, and we will want to promote that also. This country has been uh, has been built by uh, Francophone, Anglophone, First Nation, and immigrants coming from Europe, Africa, Asia, all over the world to share our Canadian values. And our Canadian values are respecting the rule of law, the equality between men and women, free free speech, freedom, free enterprise, and we we want our country to be 
be like that uh, in 25 years. So that's why we need to have a discussion about our values. And, and we want uh, the people who are coming to our country, we want them to be able to have a job, to participate in our society. So when Justin Trudeau said that there's no core identity, it is not the reality. Canadian, Canadians are proud and uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, uh, they, they know their history. And, and what we must do, we must uh, be sure that uh, we will promote what unites us and, and not always our diversity. So what unites us, it is uh, our culture, our history, our values. And that's uh, the part of the PPC uh, platform for the next election. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and Slim, you have something to say yeah. about that? Yeah, well, I uh, agree with Maxime. Uh, I mean, uh, Canadians are known. I mean, this 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 year, 75 years ago, Canadians from Quebec, from right across English Canada, uh, people of different ethnic origins, but as Canadians, landed in France to defend and fight and protect freedom and, 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 and secure freedom worldwide. And we have been in the front line. So when Mr. Trudeau says that we have no core identity, he needs a basic history lesson, History 101. <laughs> <laughs> you've, um, the party and yourself, Maxime and Salim, you've been, actually you've been accused of Islamophobia and you're a Muslim, so that's amazing. But the party itself is undergoing this usual barrage from the media and the left of being called racist because necessarily of the immigration stand that you're taking um, your, your response to such aspersions? Well, you know, it's ridiculous and it's uh, people who uh, uh, know me, know what I did the last uh, 12 years in politics. Uh, I don't have to explain myself about that. Uh, and, you know, for they don't want to discuss the real issue. People who are saying that, that's why. But f we are here to discuss the real issue uh, and we have uh, the platform that answer uh, the needs of our country uh, and the reforms that need to, needs to be done in this country. So uh, I, I don't want to, uh, to speak about that because uh, people know me and, and that's just uh, stupid when they are saying that. They don't want to have a real discussion and that's too bad. And uh, Justin Trudeau has come out and said that he admires, admires communist China. Yeah, yeah. Is there a particular country other than Canada that you admire and think that we could learn from? <laughs> I really enjoy the UK and Margaret Thatcher as a politician. So yes, I admire Margaret Thatcher, what she did for our country. She always spoke about freedom and, and, and free enterprise. And at that time when she became prime minister, uh, UK was in a big economic trouble. And she was able with uh, pushing her values and doing no compromise with our conviction to be successful in politics and that's what we are doing here we are speaking about our convictions with passion but without any compromise I understand that the riding of Booth where, where you represent uh, the residents there in Parliament has in, in Statistics Canada shown um, when they were asked the question what is your ethnicity that particular area of the country is the highest to say Canadian versus a hyphenated Canadian. What do you think that might account for that? Uh, absolutely, you're right. When we had a referendum in Quebec about the separation, uh, about 60% of uh, Francophone in Quebec voted for the separation. The writing in both, it's 99% Francophone 
and I can tell you that 65% of them voted to stay in Canada. So that's a strong federalist riding, and also that is it is also the most entrepreneurial region in Quebec. So they're proud to be Canadian like myself, and uh, they're very independent also. Uh, they want to keep their independence. They want to keep their freedom. Uh, that's something that uh, I'm proud of to be their representative. But yes, uh, why they're so they believe in this country? Because they are part of this country. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just recently in Guelph and in Cambridge, you've planned events which had to be cancelled because the venue holders were intimidated by local uh, members of Antifa, communists. Yeah. Um, do you plan to do anything if you become uh, prime minister which might prevent such intimidation, which is against the criminal code to intimidate or to be set? Um, anybody from doing anything that they want to do which is legal. Do you plan on um, handling that if you get into into power? But first of all, I'm very pleased that at the end we did not cancel the event. Uh, the event will take place at another uh, uh, place. Uh, but the most important is to be out there and speak about what we believe. And these people, uh, if they want to uh, be violent, uh, they're not welcome. Uh, and I hope that we have the, the police that will be there so it might must be a calm uh, event, uh, but we will, you know, we want, uh, they, they are free to speak about that, what they believe, and they believe in communism, and we don't, and uh, let's have a debate about that, but let's have a normal debates and without any violence. Uh, that's why, you know, we we're in a free country and a democracy. We must be able to have uh, uh, reasonable debates on uh, a lot of subjects, uh, but when they're they're speaking about violence, uh, we're not there. We won't play that game. Mm -hmm. Salim, do you have any questions or um, answers to that particular issue of the threats and intimidation that the left have put on the People's Party of Canada? Does that, does that intimidate you at all, now that you're a candidate? <laughs> no, it doesn't intimidate me, but, you know, uh, people who engage in smear and who engage in violence, they are missing or lacking in ideas, you know, they're lacking in conviction, and that's why they want to shut down a free discussion. I think both of us completely agree that the remedy to our problem is more free speech, not yeah. less free speech. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More debates. More debates. And we'll be there. We are, yeah. we are starting these debates here in Canada. And I can tell you that I'm not along with a star candidate like Salim. I'm very proud and very happy. And we'll do that fight together with all the other uh, candidates. Mr. Uh, Bernier, Mr. Mansur, Salim, um, we wish you both uh, great success. Thank you very much. Merci. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Up next, we'll learn a bit more about PPC leader Maxime Bernier and the philosophy of the PPC, as heard in this brief sampling from Dave Rubin's Rubin Report of January 30th. Joining me today is a Canadian businessman, lawyer, member of parliament, and the founder and head of the People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier, welcome to the Rubin Report. Thanks for the invitation, Dave. I'm very happy to be with you. I am glad you're here. I am pretty sure. How many people are there in Canada, roughly? <laughs> 37 million people. 37 million. So I've gotten about 36 million emails <laughs> to have you on the show or on Twitter. I mean, everybody in Canada seems to want us to do this sit down. The fact that somebody in Canada is spreading the ideas of liberty 
and of the individual and limited government and all of those things is incredibly inspiring to me and it's more of what we need down here too. Uh, but let's just start first with a little bit of your biography for people that don't know anything about you. Yes, uh, I'm a lawyer. Um, I did also a course in uh, businesses before um, and I work in the private sector in Montreal, Quebec uh, in the financial sector. I was VP of uh, financial institutions and after that I work with the Montreal Economic Institute. That's a free market think tanks like maybe the Mises Institute and uh, like that, I was VP over there. And in 2005, um, I had a meeting with Stephen Hopper. At that time, he was the leader of the opposition before the election in 2006. Uh, and so he was looking for some ideas to be able to have some seats in Quebec. As you know, Quebec is the francophone part of the country. And so we had a good chat together and I told him, you know, there's two important things that you must uh, say to Quebecers if you want to win. First, uh, you must respect the Constitution, because in Quebec, if you remember, we had the two referendum, and uh, we, we still have a separatist uh, uh, political party at the provincial level. So I told him, you know, respect the Canadian Constitution, don't interfere in provincial jurisdiction, and everything will, will, will be okay. And also lower taxes, income tax uh, to Quebecers and all Canadians. And at the end, <coughs> that was, I think, a good proposal for Quebec but also for uh, all across the country. And he decided to put that in his platform uh, and he asked me to run with him in 2006. So I decided to run and uh, my riding, my district, it is in Beauce near Quebec City. It's a half rural, half urban riding. And I went there because uh, my dad was an MP under Brian Maroney uh, for uh, 13 years. And so when I came in Beauce in 2006 uh, to run, the director of my campaign told me, Maxime, we have a problem with you. Uh, because I was working in Montreal, I was not in the writing. He said, you have a name. My dad was very well known, but you don't have a first name. Mm. So <laughs> I go at the end of the campaign, people must know you. So I did a good campaign and uh, at the end uh, I won. And also Stephen Hopper, we formed the government in 2006, a minority government, 2008, a minority government. And I was industry minister at that time. I did a big deregulation in telecom and that's why people uh, at that time, they, they called me the uh, Albertan from Quebec, because in Alberta, they are very free markets, and yeah. in Quebec, at the provincial level, we have a big, fat, and socialist government. So, is the idea of, of liberty and personal responsibility and some of the other things that you're running on, are these oddly new in Canada? And I say that because when yeah. when you started coming on my radar about a year ago, and I saw people started tweeting about you. You know, it's good to have the right ideas, but it's good. It's better to have the right ideas at the right time. And I think the timing is very good for us, for me, because we have a government in, uh, in Ottawa right now, the Trudeau government, that are spending a lot of money, huge deficit, people they don't see and we don't know when they will balance the budget. Uh, it must be around 2024. Uh, and uh, everybody knows that the, the deficit of today are the taxes of tomorrow. Maxime Bernier and his People's Party, ironically the same situation we were in more than 20 years ago. 
that the behavior of the, at that time, progressive conservative party under Brian Mulroney led to a crash in 1993 election, which left only two sitting members in the Progressive Conservative Party, a party that had won the largest majority in the history of Canada. Only, yes. you know, two elections prior to that in 1984 and then in 1988. So that tells you that the, the, the breakup of the Conservative, the catastrophic defeat of the Conservative happened under the leadership of a Prime Minister who was schizophrenic between being a conservative and being a progressive, which is what you're going back to, Robert Bennett. And that was the crash. And the reform movement came along to remedy that situation. But what we have seen now is a replete of what happened. The, under the new leadership, the conservative party has driven out the genuine blue Tories. Uh, Maxime Bernier, now we can see Maxime Bernier lost the leadership. Some people say the leadership was stolen from him. But it was by the skin of his teeth that the election was lost or won. Less than 1% Less by than one, sheer and yeah. only after the 13th ballot. 13th ballot, that's yeah. right. And I voted for Maxime all through. You know, he was my ballot on my ballot all through. So he tried to remain, he tried to raise issues. But now I can see that he was driven out of that party. He had no place in that party. Similarly, I have been forced out. And so what we have now, the genuine conservative now sitting either outside independent or they are joining Maxime Bernier and his People's Party of Canada. And if we are in the parliament, we will be the firewall between the left, liberal left coalition and a minority conservative that cannot form a government. So the worst case scenario that you're painting, of course, is that we will have another term with Justin Trudeau with a coalition of extreme left-wing loonies. But if that happens, the Conservative Party of Canada and Andrew Scheer and his campaign manager and his leadership are to blame. Yes, and the results are most likely going to be that Scheer and his team will not have the numbers. There is between 35 and 40% people in Canada who choose not to vote because it doesn't make any difference whether you vote for twiddle-dee or twiddle-dum in the, in the analysis of the, of the Laurentian elite owning both the parties. So the reform movement was an effort that took place in the 1990s to break that pattern and it succeeded in creating the Conservative Party of Canada. But then it seems that the Red Tories, they never go away. <laughs> they came back to the back door and it's taken over. Well, just, just, just um, uh, but the point to I'm remind the people about how Scheer is now a member of the Laurentian elite. Remember that he won the leadership over Maxime Bernier because of the Quebec dairy um, vote. That's right. The they supply flooded management. the, yes. the, the uh, convention, right. and because of the weighting of the, the of the particular ridings, right. and he was everybody's last choice, and he won because exactly. of that Laurentian effect. That's right. And the supply management people bought the membership in the last minute in large numbers to turn the scale against uh, Maxime, who, by the way, was winning through twelve ballots. Mm -hmm. 
Pure had to win it on the 13th ballot because he was the second choice, the third choice of everybody else. His own voting base was in the teens, in, in about 20% range. But the number that I was drawing at is 35-40% is a large number across the country that doesn't vote. And if this number or a substantive part of this number votes in the October election, and if that vote goes in the direction of PPC, that will have a dramatic effect. And I don't think that Canada is an exceptional country unaffected by the changes that have taken place in the Western democracies. Start off with the 2016 election in the United States. Which, by the way, you called. You were one of the few people, <laughs> even before Donald Trump yeah. won the Republic nomination, you said that he would be That's right. In my, in my writings, and in, it's all in the public domain, I called out that Donald Trump is the next president of the United States when he came down the stairs, yes. and everybody <laughs> mocked at me. But again, it was not looking at the crystal ball, it was looking at the analysis of the situation where we are. But there you had uh, uh, the Trump election in November of 2016, but it was preceded by the June referendum in 2016, Brexit. Then you had a number of elections in Europe. The most dramatic and recent one is in Italy with Silviano. These are uh, elections and results that show that the people in Western democracies are so alienated with the establishment parties and the established form of the consensus politics of both the right and the left that has run the Western democracies since the end of World War II right through the end of Cold War into this post-Cold War period. And crises have built up, and the consensus is not to deal with the crisis. And the crisis, the most important dramatic crisis has been the migration issue. If Canada's 49th parallel, our southern border, and Rio Grande, the border with Mexico, was an empty space and there was no United States, we would be run over from the south. It is the United States that is dealing with the problems of this mass migration assault or invasion that is taking place in Americas. The same thing is happening in Europe, Middle East and North Africa. Immigration is the number one issue and it connects all other issues. And what is driving immigration in one instance is the elephant in the room that neither the liberal nor the conservative party is willing to talk about. The elephant in the room is Islamism, the global jihad, the Muslim Brotherhood. The difference between liberal party of Justin Trudeau and the conservative party of Andrew Scheer is that the liberals are riding the elephant. <laughs> the Muslim Brotherhood is sitting in the parliament. That is, their members and their supporters. Literally, yes. they are. They, I mean, they, a caucus of people. I mean, Motion 103 was moved. That is part of the Muslim Brotherhood ag agenda to silence Canadians from talking freely about what they see is happening to their country. And in the case of Shear, he is not going to talk about the elephant in the room. He's scared about it. He's going to appease it. And he's into full appeasement mode. 
So one guy is writing it, the other guy is appeasing it. And we cannot, Robert, talk about any significant issue in Canadian politics and in global politics without addressing the elephant in the room. As the old saying goes, you ain't heard nothing yet. What you've heard today was just the preface to the rest of the story. So be sure to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. I always thought that Americans elected the people they did because they were stupid. But Canadians are pretty smart. And look who we elect. <laughs> Four years after U.S. elected Ronald Reagan, the great communicator, the Canadians elected Brian Mulroney, the great mistake. <laughs> and they were great buds, Reagan and Mulroney, because Brian never met an American ass he couldn't kiss. LAUGHTER